Friends, our readings, uh, all three of the readings have certain themes, but what uh, one of the main concerns of the readings are to be faithful and firm in God. And the first reading describes the ceremony of the offering to God of the first fruits of their harvest and thanksgiving for all that God has done. He gets the first fruits of that. And the rest would be for the community, and, uh, which would be in abundance uh, for them. Also, when they would do this, they would recite, if, in our words, a creed, which was uh, to be offered also. And that creed was a summary of Israel's history and its origins. And um, the second reading contains in its simplest form our Christian credo, if you will. Jesus is Lord and Savior. He died for our sins and was raised for our justification. He alone. For this faith to be genuine, it must be professed, not just with one's lips, but by one's whole life. Everything you do and say. And the gospel shows Jesus' faithfulness to the Father in heaven and always doing what the Father desired from him. And in doing so, uh, he did this also for his disciples. He did this for Israel. He did it for all of us, meaning his sacrifice. I want to take a look uh, more closely at the second of the temptations as found inside of our reading. There were three major temptations in that, in that time in the desert for the Lord. And uh, the second one, um, the devil showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, I shall give you all this power and glory if you worship me. And this temptation uh, is as much about power as it was about compromise. Satan is the great liar, and uh, he's trying to trip up Jesus. And uh, the devil invites Jesus to compromise the very first commandment of God's law that is uh, the very foundation stone of Jews and Christians. The commandment that God alone is God. And he alone is to be worshipped and adored, and you are to worship and adore no other. The devil pretends in this instant to possess the authority and the very power of God. He shows Jesus all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, as if he was the owner of time and its creator. And that he had the right to dispose of everything that he wished. But that was not the truth when we look at scriptures and read it. That's not uh, what is said. Jesus knows this. Remember, Jesus is fully human and fully divine. So Satan knows he cannot go after the divinity. So he is going after Jesus' human nature. He offers Jesus all the powers and all the kingdom of all the riches and all the gold of the earth. It is an immense offer of power and wealth. It would require Jesus, however, to compromise the truth. He would have to compromise himself as God's son and worship, in that moment, Satan in his father's place. My friends, the devil has indeed great power on his own right, but he does not have that kind of power. He is not God, and Jesus knows it. 
Jesus sees through the twisting of his lies. The devil is, in fact, not the great Lord God, but the great pretender. My friends, uh, inside this we see where uh, Satan says, if you are the Son of God, and so he's trying to get Jesus to question, are you the Son of God? I don't know. And in a sense, Satan does not know. He does not know everything that God is up to. So even he is, are you the Son of God? Let us look at the Scriptures and see what it says about that Son. Jesus, in his brilliance, avoids it. My friends, uh, he figures out this pretender who's tempting him. And we saw at the end of the Scriptures that Satan would leave him for a time. You know what that means. He's coming back to bother him. And he would, even up until this day. He uses a human and tells him, come down from there. If you are the Son of God, come down. Show me that I may worship. Again, a lie and to pretend. And my friends, history is full of pretenders, mere mortals wanting to be gods or pretending to be godlike, people with great egos and matching twisted ambitions. These persons have acted as though they were gods. They pretended and gave forth prophetic insights and talents and tried to decide destinies. They wielded immense power in the world, but their fruits were war, and death, and destruction on great scales. We only need now to look to Eastern Europe and see where it's happening again. Most of the world is well aware of the damage these monsters put forth and have done, not only in history to countries, but to church and to societies. Jesus rejects the offer of power and its compromise. He is God's only begotten one, and he will remain true to his Father and faithful to the mission given by his Father. These words, faithful and true, are the very character and nature of our Lord, and it is supposed to be that of us also as his disciples, those who are baptized. We come upon them, uh, these words, in the final book of the Bible, known as the book of Revelations or the Apocalypse, uh, when St. John sees the heavens opened and he looks and sees a white horse. Its rider was called Faithful and True, and his name was called the Word of God, Revelation 19, 11-13. Now, my friends, regarding compromise, we know that much of our lives necessarily involve some measure of compromise. Social life and family life and uh, 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 political life, but I don't want to go there. I'll get distracted. <laughs> and um, some things are not possible without some forms of compromise. Such compromises in this then can be acceptable and they are a matter of finding mutual, agreeable solutions to challenges and difficulties. 
but those compromises may never, may never involve morals and virtues. Never. The kind of compromise that our Lord Jesus refuses is the compromise of truth, his Father's truth, and his Father's moral precepts. Now, my friends, we have just begun our Lenten journey, 40 days of intensified almsgiving and fasting and prayer. It is also a time of reflecting on our Lord's life and his great sacrifice for you and I. And it is a good time to examine our hearts and to sincerely review the issues of compromise, perhaps in our own lives that we have made, that are not so good. It is a good time to reclaim or to strengthen those Christian teachings and principles that must remain beyond any compromise and pretense in our personal lives and in our society. My friends, one of the things I'd like to put forth for you uh, when it comes to Christ uh, people feel he's so distant at times. I want you to see what he did for you. Make it personal. This is what he did for you, and for you, and for you, and for you, and for you. You look upon this. When you look, he did this for me. He did it for me. You will see him differently. You will understand him differently then he will be your personal Lord and Savior and not just some statue or some artwork on a wall. He did this for you. I want you to say, he did that for me. Then, then does he enter into your heart. Then you see and understand differently. Friends, one of the things about uh, Jesus and his ways was he always prayed. He went every, everything he did, he prayed to the Father. Even picking out his best friends that we know as the apostles. He went to his Father first, talked to him about that, and then made his decisions. And prayer is one of the hallmarks of our Christian uh, ways, particularly during the Lenten journey. We are to increase our prayers and our almsgiving. Uh, and uh, my friends, uh, of late, sometimes will hear, I don't know why I bother praying he doesn't listen to me. And how do you know he's not listening? Because he won't give me what I want. <laughs> Any parent knows, <laughs> yeah, that's not, I hear what my children are saying. They're not getting that because it's not good for them. <laughs> but um, Satan is the great liar and the great pretender. He does not want you to call out to the Father. He wants you to feel frustrated. He wants you to feel in despair. He does not want you calling out. I've been sharing a story many years ago. I went to Arcadia, California, and there there's a, a whole ranching community, and they raise sheep and um, close to Arcadia. Uh, and I went there, and uh, I joke, and I mean, they, they were having a big barbecue when I showed up there. <laughs> which they do a really good job of that. I love lamb. Uh, but uh, aside from that, um, they, they knew I was a seminarian at the time, and they were talking to me, and, and uh, uh, I was surprised that they had shepherds and the dogs still. And they still use this rudimentary way of tending. And I said, oh, I said, and about the predators. And they said, the wolves and the, and the cougars. And I said, yeah, yeah. I said, they go after the feet, right? 
And they said, oh, silly, no. They don't go after the feet. They go after the neck. He said, the predator will go after the neck of the sheep. And he said, you know why? And I, I, I get to cut off the air. No, to keep it silent. He said, if it makes a noise, it'll alert the others. And the others will alert the shepherd and the dog. He said, so the predator wants to shut the sheep down, its voice. Satan knows this. He wants to get you in your throat. He wants you to not raise your voice in prayer. He wants you to be frustrated. I bring this up because as the war broke out in Eastern Europe, I was furious. I was blinded by my anger, and I demanded of God, justice, destroy. Wrong prayer. Wrong prayer. My guardian angel. And if you don't think your guardian angel speaks, your guardian angel speaks. You just need to listen. My guardian angel was like, careful priest, but you ask. Because we fall under the same justice that I was demanding. So I had better march right into the confessional when I find a priest. Because <laughs> I can't confess to myself. <laughs> I'm not allowed to anoint myself nor hear my own confession. So better that you go and get yourself in a state of grace before you ask God to rain down his justice. What would the better prayer be? Father, you know all things. Do what is necessary. Let your peace reign. That is the better prayer. Satan almost got me on the other one. Uh, demanding. I don't, do not demand of God anything. But I pray and raise my voice to him. And so, my friends, uh, when you become frustrated by the world and its ways and you think God is not listening, you raise your voice louder. You increase your prayers. What Satan wants is for you to stop. He doesn't want you to alert the Father about anything. So, don't be worried about that. Raise your voices. Pray even more. Jesus kept going and doing it. All the saints kept doing it, even when they felt, because sometimes it feels as if God is not listening and paying attention. He is. We just have to stay within him. Sometimes we do not know everything that he's doing. We cannot understand it. But we stay with him. We stay with his prayers. And uh, my friends, um, regarding temptation, temptation is not sin. Jesus is without sin. So if he is tempted, then it cannot be sinful. What you do or do not do with that temptation is what is the problem. Jesus showed us how to fight against the temptation. And temptation is always around. As the end of the gospel said, in its own, my own way, I'll be back, is what Satan was telling Jesus. I'll be back. So he showed us how to fight the temptation. And uh, just a quick note here about uh, that. Uh, do not speak to Satan. Do not engage him in conversation. The only ones that I know ha have great authority to do that and to stand against him are the exorcists of the church, of which a close friend of mine, classmate, is one. Amy, he shares enough stories. I already told him, no more stories. No more, because I can't sleep at night and I can't watch the scary movies I like because you have ruined it for me. <laughs> but 
My friends, um, St. Augustine had this to say. St. Augustine said that since the coming of Christ, the devil is a chained power, meaning there are restraints on him. And he compared the devil to a dog tied to a post. For the dog to truly reach the person, you have to step into his territory. So stay away from his territory, of which he tries to bring you in through temptations. Flee and run. Now, you don't have to be overly afraid of him with the power of God and his grace. You can withstand uh, the attacks, if you will. Uh, but uh, do not attempt to take him head on. To take him head on on your own would be like Father Mark trying to take on the cougar. <laughs> I will be down and out in a minute. <laughs> so I don't. Uh, even as a priest, I'm very careful to remember who it is uh, who I represent. Uh, so my friends, uh, let us keep all those things in mind. Now my friends, uh, uh, the, our Archbishop has asked us to take a collection uh, so I'm going to dedicate 25% of this weekend's collection, uh, and it is for uh, the crisis in the Ukraine. And my understanding, I have the letter from him, he will be using, he will send the money, all the bishops of the United States are going to send it to the churches of Central and Eastern Europe, in particular Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church. So we're going to use the church's venues to get the money, to where it is needed now uh, to help the people in crisis. And um, we pray for peace for the Ukrainian people. We pray for peace for the Russian people uh, who also uh, who may be in disagreement with their government. And also the Archbishop wanted us to know that uh, we don't hear much about it, but there's a country, the Republic of Georgia, which is near Turkey, and for 50 years they have been under attack. Yeah, no one talks about that. And uh, some of the funding that we will send will go to help the Catholic, uh, those under what we call the Armenian Rite, the Chaldean Rite, and the Latin Rite, um, to help them to survive in this land and to rebuild the church, not its buildings necessarily, but uh, the people. So, but first and foremost, it will go to the Ukrainian crisis in this time. So I ask, as you can, uh, to give. And uh, uh, they're hoping to receive the funding by the 15th. So I know that none of you were, might have been, you didn't know about it, so you maybe weren't prepared. But you can come to the office during the week uh, to give a donation. Uh, they also have a QR code. If you go to the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops website, they'll give you more information. You can donate that way. They have a hashtag, <laughs> uh, hashtag give Catholic together. And uh, so I ask, uh, certainly we pray uh, for an end to war and for the restoration of peace everywhere, uh, but in particularly now in Eastern Europe, in Central Europe, we pray and then we take action. And then uh, I pray to God. Now, some of you who have oh, been coming, you've heard me at, after Mass, as I invoke St. Nicholas, you'll hear me invoke Our Lady of Fatima. Why? Uh, back uh, in that time, Our Lady told the three young children, Jacinta and Francisco and Lucia, pray the rosary. 
my son is greatly offended by what humans do to each other in their wars. Pray for an end to war and restoration of peace. Pray the rosary, she's told them. And at that time, many years ago, she said, and pray for the consecration of Russia uh, to the Sacred Heart. And uh, my understanding is Russia is supposed to be a Christian nation. So uh, I invoke Our Lady of Fatima then in this time. Uh, Reverend sisters, finally, um, on March 11th, which is Friday, uh, the Archbishop of Seattle, which is the Archbishop of Western Washington, has uh, made his decision. Uh, masks will be optional at all Catholic parishes, chapels, campuses, and schools. So uh, you will not have to wear one. Uh, it'll be optional. And uh, there will be under certain circumstances uh, and conditions where the mask will be not only highly recommended, but, but still may be required. But um, though he spelled out what those conditions are. He's still working out the fine-tuning for schools, for the Catholic schools, uh, high schools and K-8. Uh, but in general, uh, it'll be optional, uh, mask wearing. So um, as your pastor, I'm telling you, do not give the stink eye to anyone who continues to wear masks. All right? There are people who don't want to wear them. Oh, that's fine. There are people who will continue wearing them. And it's okay. Continue wearing them if that's how you feel about it and you feel safest. Continue wearing them. And nobody gives them a hard time about it. We just don't do that. All right? But again, uh, starting uh, Friday, March 11th, uh, wearing will be optional. Okay?